Today on the Big Inside, we unwrap presents. Well, uh, indirectly, we would well, uh, technically there's actually no presents, but we're still going to do some unwrapping because we want to look at how the sources of plateaus and injuries and other training errors are often indirectly related to the problems themselves, and often in ways we don't even have the knowledge to guess at. We're chatting about the way to reframe your sticking points and boo-boos to get a better understanding of their source and maybe their correction. That conversation begins right now. It's another Monday night somewhere. Wait, wait, that doesn't make any, that doesn't make any sense. I, I guess it's time once again for the big inside. Did it? But we actually did it, Scott. No errors. We kind of did it with no errors. I'm impressed with it. About time. (laughs) (laughs) Broadcasting from the world-famous Public Alley 701 in the analytical city of Boston, Massachusetts, I'm Christian Mady, a.k.a. XN, and this is The Big Inside, the program that intersects and connects what transforms the body with what transforms the world and then turns them both inside out. We're all about the conversation, not the education, but with our luck, you're probably going to end up learning something along the way. This episode is the fifth in a special mini-series of conversation-focused episodes between myself and the man whose lightsaber lights up with proper flattery, show regular Scott Bator. Hey, Scott. How you doing, man? You had a good day at the gym, I guess? I'm doing awesome. Yeah, I crushed it. (laughs) You, uh, you, you, uh, you, You sent me selfies. You must have been the man, the selfie dude today. Were you that guy? I was. I was that guy. You know what? I don't. I don't really care anymore. I. I, I look good, and I felt good. <laughs> and uh, it was funny because uh, all these big dudes were like looking at me, and one came up to me, and he goes, "He's like, oh, am I gonna get in your way?" He goes, "I'm gonna do the same thing." And I was like, "Go ahead." And then he stopped, and then he was like, "Ah, uh, you're making me look bad. I'm gonna do this later." <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> "Is big? Is big a euphemism? Is big? Was he enhanced? Was he an enhanced dude?" I don't know. He's swollen. You know, I don't. Puff, I mean, they probably probably taking like super pumps. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know puff if that even exists. For for folks who don't listen to the show regularly, uh, puffball is basically the guy who's on so much gear that he's, you know, literally you're you 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 see him enter the gym, and beneath him are about fourteen guys with strings leading him in like the Macy's Day Parade balloons, and he's just bobbing along in there. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, that's they had a whole group of those guys today. It was a visual. It was anyway, if you want to find, if you want to. Uh, lift with Scott. No. Scott's the founder of Aspire Integrated Training and Flexibility. You can learn more about his work and his how good he looks at aspireflex.life. Anyway, let's let's dig in, Scott. Let's dig in. Today's show is actually, well, you're going to like this. Today's show actually starts with everyone's favorite topic, my cankles. Yes, it starts with my cankles. Here's the story. All right. It goes like this. Um, all right. So I have... Always been, you know, lifting the weights, as it were, the the hitting the gym. And uh, of recent months, man, really a couple years, I've been sitting more. Hey, sound familiar, America? You know, people tend to have a lot of sit-down jobs. And I, too, have finally succumbed to long stretches of sitting. And I, I'm okay with it. I don't have any, you know, weirdnesses. But what that's done is that's changed the dynamic of my leg and my hamstring and my butt and whatever. Anyway, here's the deal. Uh, 
always been a leg guy. Always, I, I ride my bicycle a lot. I ride many bicycles, all kinds of bicycles, a lot. And you know, come winter time, I do like to sort of rehab my legs because I do want to lift, you know, heavy and make progress. And one of the things I was doing recently was sort of rehabbing, doing a lot of isometric work. Nothing heavy, but like dips and you know things. And you're basically using my body weight. Isometric, you know. For people who don't know, I often confuse it with plyometric because I'm a ninny. And it's basically, you know, where you're those exercises where you're kind of using either like, you know, the wall or the floor or a rubber band or you know, maybe a little bit of weight. But generally speaking, it's just creating tension in the muscle without necessarily adding any load or anything like that. Just, you know, for the dummies out there who are my people. Anyway, so I'm doing this and trying to, you know, just sort of like getting my legs back in mobility ranges and um, son of a bitch, if not two days later, I'm getting like a, a, a needling, knifing pain in my in my ankle, my cankle. And here's this is what the show is about, is that it's not really about my cankles, but most people, they'd feel a pain in their ankle and they'd immediately say, oh, something must be wrong with my ankle. And they'd immediately assume that that is the pain. Like, oh, if it's in the ankle, it must be the ankle. I mean, that's logical, right? Um and so it's one of these things where I know from years of doing this and, you know, talking with geniuses like Scott, that uh, the reality is that it's actually in my hamstring, it's in my glute, my butt muscle, as it were, my hips and all this. And it's literally pulling on all that fascia and all the joints and ligaments so that my ankle is getting the brunt of that stress. Now, it's kind of like having tennis uh, elbow in your ankle. It's not a bad thing. It's just it's but it's also something we're going forward in my program. I need to worry about the injury at the same time continuing figuring out how to get my strength back in my legs. So it's a, it's a sort of a two-pronger. And as I was putting that together, me and Scott were talking, and I'm like, you know what? Most people would either do one or the other. They'd be like, okay, work through the pain. Or they'd say, oh, I need to do a rehab on just my ankle, totally missing the fact that it's up in my hamstrings and my, you know, from all that sitting. Remember all that prolonged sitting and my glutes and on up. So we thought this would be a kind of a good conversation. Um, and it's gotten, and it's, in a second, I'm going to ask you if you any have any examples of this sort of thing, you know, where a flaw or a plateau or, or something occurring in one area of performance has a source, you know, that seems at least superficially far removed from the source of that deficiency. But, um, but yeah, I mean, before I just want to sort of like put the finer point on this little anecdote of mine um, that it's, it's weird how the solution means I have to pay attention to multiple things that are out of balance rather than just focusing on that one thing. Ow, the source of my pain. You know, we get this all the time. I mean, you hear must hear this all the time, Scott. Like, oh, I have a thing in my ankle or a thing in my elbow or a thing in my whatever, my clavicular scabaloodler or whatever the – I don't know, biology, dude. I, you got to help me out with that. But do you get this a lot um, where people are having these displaced pains or these pains that – are you? Have this happened to you? Um. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, a lot of clients, you know, will be, they'll be pretty uh, taken with like pain in a specific area. And then they'll kind of obsess about it and fixate on that area. Give me an example. Uh, okay. I'm fixating um, on examples today. Give me an example. Fixating on examples. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I didn't take well, my meds. Let's see here. I had a... Uh, I'm gonna use myself actually. Yeah. So, um, so I have a lot of, uh, well, I had a lot of pain in my my left wrist. 
since I've done a lot of sh uh, shots from hockey, like millions of shots with rotational millions. movements. Scott so Batorf, man with a million hockey shots. Yeah, I, that's one of my records. One million shots. <laughs> when you when you hit it, did like balloons drop on that millionth? Did fireworks, balloons, confetti. It was amazing. <laughs> Fun confetti. Uh, and we all went so, home and had lunchables. Anyway, go on. So I've had had this nagging wrist pain. And before I didn't really know what it was, but then uh, as I learned more about my body and the fascia and scar tissue and, and the meridians, uh, I, I came to find out that it it wasn't at my wrist, even though I did all these wrist mobility things. You can massage. The so form, you were trying you could, to you were, you were actually at first you were addressing the wrist yeah. pain directly, right? Okay. Yeah, you can address the wrist pain. Yeah, and it will go away a little bit, but then it comes right back because the body's like telling you like, hey, nice try, but that's not the source. That's kind um, of the story of my life with this podcast. Go on. Right. Yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> and so what I end up figuring out more as I learn more about the, the tissue and how it works and how it's connected um, is that the it wasn't so much my wrist. It had a lot to do with my lat and also my hamstrings on my left side. Uh, because it's a lot more twisted because of the rotary motion. In okay, the so yeah, so like, I mean, so people in the audience need to think of like how people play hockey. And, you know, if you think about it, your upper body and your lower body, they're torquing, they're twisting, like thinking like right. ringing, think of ringing out, this is a good analogy, ringing out a hand cloth, how you, how it twists around itself. And that's actually the motion of a hockey player. So you're saying that with the, how you hold the stick, it's imbalanced, one hand high, one arm low. You're saying that your lat right. and your hamstring on the left side were, were right. sort of, was it, is that they were, contracted too short what was that how do you describe that well they i mean the tissue is um if people could think about this the tissue is like a towel and it, it's spiral so think about taking a towel and winding up really tight but then knotting it up and keep knotting it like almost like uh taking saran wrap and wrapping it wrapping it wrapping it and it sticks to itself and so the thing is that the um the not only was it my my uh, the muscles on the backside weren't shortening and, and and contracting, which then caused which then caused a lot of shortness on the front side of my arm, pulling my shoulder joint out of out of joint, which then caused inflammation in my wrist. But it also comes from that left hamstring, which then will move that 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 sheath of tissue will move all the way up the body, um, and affect that wrist also. But that's a power arm for shooting, and so there's a lot of rotational component not only in the leg but also in the wrist. So what you're in saying is like you're, you you had some muscles that were knotted up tight, like you described with the saran wrap, and then other muscles that were just completely, you know, wide open, yanked open, extended, and they kind of weren't holding everything in place to counterbalance right, yeah. all that tension. Is yeah, like saying? if you think, yeah, like the teres muscle group, which is on the back of the shoulder and the back of the armpit and the posterior delt, they weren't shortening to pull my shoulder back into the joint. Oh, uh, so, so you had like a strength on the front, but nothing to counterbalance yeah. the back. I see. I well, it was like shortness on the front. I mean, there's some strength, but it's more like too short on the front, but too long. Too on long the back. on the back, right? Yeah. Right. And you so see that? Then, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. But then, like that blocked energy has to go somewhere, and so then it, it shot to the wrist. Interesting. And so it's like, and so the the inflammation will move to maybe the elbow or to the wrist, depending on where the origin's coming from. So it's kind of well, interesting. And that's that is interesting, especially because, yeah. and and we should just take a pause right there, because let us. Consider for a moment the noble knee, the 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 noble elbow, the noble wrist, and how certain joint uh, bodies—I uh, don't know what you where you call it—but certain joint systems, we'll say, have an amazing capacity to adapt 
to deficits elsewhere. In your case, your wrist was adapting to a deficit way up high in the armpit, like on the lat. But you got to stop and contemplate that for a minute, that your body, like the elbow and the wrist or the knee, or in my case, the ankle, that those things are kind of taking up the slack for deficits elsewhere. We're not even noticing that until so much slack was taken up that it emerges as pain or imbalance, you know, and it, literally an inability to balance or an inability to move. We don't even notice it. We often think that, oh, knees are weak and wrists are weak and elbows and all these problems. The opposite is true. Mother Nature gave us these joints, and they are remarkably adaptive, so adaptive that we idiots who are pushing ourselves will literally adapt them to the end of their adaptation point, which is fascinating when you think about it because everyone always believes the mythology is like, oh, bum knee, bum wrist, and everyone wants to rush to the, I got to bum this, or like they want to blame it as if the joint is some deficit thing, when in reality, maybe it's everything on on either side of that. Is that sort of what you're saying? Yeah, well, I'm glad you made a good point there. The joints have a lot of information. And I'm going to put out another word that people may not know. It's called proprioceptive. Oh, whoa. That, you just and so, brain hold on a second. It, so the thing is that if you were to touch your joints, it, just by touching or feeling or looking at them, they, they, they get a lot of information, which they send to the brain I see. and to our kidneys and so on. Give me that and word so, again. Like, proprioceptive proprioceptive i like they have tons and tons of proprioceptive sensors and and points on on the joints so they can pick up information and data and so then it can obviously protect the body um so then these pains that we feel uh can really uh give us information if we can uh, not just see them as being like an injury but almost just a communication from the body it's just the information it's getting and so people don't know this. So. Is that, and is that how you approach? Like when you see someone having a chronic thing, is that one of the – I mean I'm sure there's many things, but is that one of the methods is saying, huh, and I'm, I'm leading this question, so forgive me, but like, oh, okay, uh, let me look at the information now. Where is this – like you literally begin to like figure out where it's coming from via the information that joint is oh, providing yeah. by joint, touch? The joint – just by someone feeling their joints, like um, we can, you can really assess uh, where it's coming from. You know, it could be from the other leg, the other arm, a specific muscle group, and so it's uh, so it's 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 much more advanced than the earlier years of lifting. Right. right. Just like oh, just ice at rest, ice compression. Right. That's that sucks. Well, and what it, <laughs> it's funny because that goes into. Um, it goes into the idea of a contemporary thing. Well, first off, it goes into the idea of superstition. Before I get all contemporary, since the dawn of training and lifting weights in sports, there are these superstitions. You know, it's, you know, obviously my ankle hurts. It must be my ankle's wrong. Ice the ankle. It's like the superstitious thing. Where we yeah. more often see it is more like, you know, I've been having a problem with my elbow when I was doing the incline dumbbell press or whatever we say. And then we say, but you know what I noticed? If I did the flat bench, I didn't hurt my elbow, so I'm fine. On it must have been the incline. We blame the incline bench right, because yeah. it doesn't. When I do the flat bench, it doesn't hurt, but the incline it hurt. Or when I do the treadmill, it hurts, but when I do the stepper, it doesn't. And we have all these things, and so we like to blame the last thing we were doing. Right. That must have been the cause. It's it's a you know correlation not being causation, but we we like to act like. Oh, they correlate. Must have been the cause. That superstition is rampant among training. Sorry, CrossFit. I'm looking at you, bitches. No, but seriously, like it's rampant. Where, <laughs> right? 
Oh, you need to. You know what, Scott? Maybe you know what it is with your with your wrist. You you need to do more cleans. Anyway, the um. Oh man. But am I right? Because people say like, oh well, this like foam rolling, for example, that's the contemporary thing. Well, once I foam rolled, the pain stopped. That's what was missing. I'll foam roll everything. When ironically, if you have like you had, if you have tissue that you can't access, that's in that saran wrap knot, and then you roll it and suddenly you have access to it. That's great. We think great, much better. However, our brain is not even trained to use that tissue because it was in a knot all that time. We have no skill for using that suddenly available. And so it's just going to create a whole new mess of shit. But meanwhile, the superstition, I did the foam rolling, I'm going to be a strong lifter, is what everyone runs with. I'm not saying don't stretch. I'm saying there's a lot of bullshit superstition around stretching. Um, and oh, I think yeah. I think that what people can actually gain access to parts of their body via stretching and foam rolling that they meanwhile have zero control of. And so therefore just setting themselves up for a brand new set of superstitions by saying, oh, it hurts here. It must have been that. Um the this the, the whole training spectrum is full of that. I mean, you deal with that all the time. I mean, people being like, "Oh, it was this. It was this all along." You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's just an excuse for someone not being able to be with like the lack of, you know, um, lack of movement, lack of strength, lack of flexibility. There's always a reaction, and when I talk to people, mm. they're like, "Oh, it's because I did this exercise," you know. Uh, and I, I can't right. have my shoulders like this. And I was like, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Uh, did you ever stay with the pain or feel where it's coming from or actually, you know, kind of like uh, let it evolve instead of just trying to switch your plans up over and over and again to right. like try and That's try the and big superstition. Yep. Yeah. It's like they're maneuvering around the issue, which is like the exact knowledge they need. It blows my mind. I, it right. happens all the time. It happens all the time. That's what you just said. That's the biggest superstition is my program. I'll do a different program. That's why I was teasing the CrossFit people. Oh, yeah, the programs. That's a good excuse. Exactly. Like, it must have been this. (laughs) Oh, I I felt something weird. I get get this one all the time. I was squatting, and I felt something weird, so I've decided to stop squatting. Not I decided – I mean, stopping squatting may be the right strategy, but not I decided to investigate that point. Right. They just say – Throw out the baby with the bathwater. It was the squat. Bad squat. Moving on. You know. Yeah, bad squats. Not doing those anymore. Yeah, it's do, like doing the Smith machine now. And that then that prop <laughs> right. And there's this people. Scott just gave you the authentic history of the Smith machine. For people who don't know, the Smith machine is like a bar on a pull, on a on a track so that it doesn't walk. And everyone's like, oh, the Smith machine is so comfortable. Well. Of course, it's masking all the information that Scott was just talking about, that, you know, subopiopoperceptive. I don't know what the word was. I just made that up. I called it papaya. Papaya receptive. Got it. And so um, <laughs> it's papaya receptive. But um, Scorpio. <laughs> right. Scorpio receptive. No. So the uh, I'll get name. it. I'll get it. But What's no. So it's, it, it's interesting how that that's the how that that um, idea of blame now shapes literally the equipment and the the exercises that people are now prone to doing right because the superstition takes over and not the idea of like oh what are we even freaking doing here um right. plateaus right. are the other you see that with plateaus as well yeah it financially supports equipment companies Wow. that make machines wow you're really going <laughs> deep there no it's true though it's it's interesting how 
<laughs> they, no, and listeners should li- it's true. Li- should listen to this that um uh look, the companies who it's not a big dubious conspiracy necessarily, but the companies who make equipment are a big portion of the marketing dollars in the fitness industry. If a superstition takes hold and and begins to become popular, they can literally evolve equipment to marry with the popularity of that superstition and then promote it and sell it and people will buy into it. And then the gym owners are like, oh, everyone's looking for this equipment and I have it. And it's sort of this thing of like keeping you, my dear listener, highly ignorant is far more lucrative than keeping you highly educated. And that's, you know, that's the forever quagmire of can fitness be industrialized? That's for another show. But Scott's right. And it's a really apropos point that, um, the training styles, the training methods, the equipment that gets built and designed, it's all based on a superstition that people didn't like a thing. And rather than investigating the the true provenance, the source of it, which might be two or three or five steps away, they just said, nope, whatever you were doing, that's the bad thing, change it. That's, like I said earlier, plateaus. I mean, the guy's like, yep, you know, I, I, can't, I can't shave that extra 10 seconds off my mile or... Or I see somebody who's like, you know what? I just can't deadlift above 480. Or, you know, these these things. Or, like, I just can't put on any more weight. I'm capped off at 192 or whatever. And everyone has these plateau stories. They're true. Okay, plateaus are real. However, often the plateau, the cause of the plateau, is because a whole system of these superstitions is in play. Like, there's a whole series of... Well, I changed this because of that and changed this because of that. And, and there's no integration of all those things. They were just all reactive to the previous pain, the previous problem. And so you have this, like, cumulative superstition ball, and you call it a plateau. Um, it's funny because trainers and coaches should see this, and yet they don't. It's, a, it's remarkable how rare you get that information out there. But, hey, yeah, dude. Super... Yeah, like, hey, dude, the stuff that you're supposed to be looking at, you know, I, I think it's real. I'll be honest with you. Let's let's get real. Trainers, personal let's trainers. Get, let's get very real. I think I'm going to put my money on 80, no, maybe 90 percent of personal trainers in this world have the utmost pristine intentions. There's a 10 percent, one out of every 10, who's just a shyster, just someone trying to turn a buck. But I really do believe the majority of people who are like want to go into that field, whether they did it because they had no other choice or because they are actually interested I generally think they have good intentions. I just think that they don't have uh, always the information to know the difference between a superstitious reaction and, like, in other words, in being able to analyze a problem versus, you know, just react to that problem, like you were saying, Scott. Um, so I, I, I'm not trying to bash trainers. I'm not trying to bash. I think that it's the opposite. I think they're all trying their best, but we're so far down the pike of this stuff that. The, you know, we now we now operate in this world of like add another thing or take away a thing. We don't operate in this world of analysis because um, it's too hard. It's too hard. I can't get big on analysis. You know, I don't know. Maybe well, I can. Well, put it this way. Um, a lot of train certifications are written and uh, they're not physical. And so it doesn't actually mean the trainer needs to feel it in their own body. They just need to understand it in their mind. Right. And so. That doesn't really do much for a client. I mean, I know for myself, since I've been an athlete for so long and a bodybuilder and 
and done a lot of different movement stuff and, and research and so on with the fascia, you know, I can relate my experience with my body so people can connect to theirs. But a regular personal training cert doesn't help you relate your body to someone. It just tells you where things are. Right. So it's kind of kind of sucks, to tell you the truth. But anyways. Yeah, I mean, and that, that I think is then also what you have in the fitness media. I mean, if you look at it, those superstitions are where the bodybuilders take foothold. I mean, literally, not the strength right. athletes, not the powerlifters, not the CrossFit people, but the bodybuilders. Whoever's got the nice body or the chick with the flat stomach and the nice bahuhas and whatever nonsense, you can, folks, apply bahuha to any part you wish. I don't know what it is. I just said the word. The guys have guys can also have a bahuha, but whoever has the nicest bahuha is the one who gets the attention. And that's who people then begin to mimic when they have a problem, as opposed to looking at their problem, like you were saying, trying to relate to it. They say, oh, what he does he do? Boom, I'll do what he does, because he doesn't seem to have this problem. Right, and it's just, it isn't just in personal training or athletes or bodybuilding. It's in like yoga, uh, Pilates, all these different things. These people Good take point. certifications. And the thing is that, you know, I mean, yoga is a sport, too. And it's those Pilates, it's like these different uh, practices uh, and whatever it might be meditation. But it's like this, ah, these ideals that like and it's not being taught through an experience. It's taught through like an ideal or kind of like this, uh, you know, willpower thing, which is right. great. But I mean, uh, I mean, I, I always see people leaving out the physical body. I mean, that's our foundation. So why would you leave that out? It doesn't make sense to me. Right. You know, you can get People go for people go for bodies. People go for spiritual enlightenment. People can like increase analytical their emotions, whatever. But without that body, there's really no foundation. So all the levels you build on the top are gonna make your house fall down because the foundation is what holds it. I mean, in this life, anyways. I mean, we're in this flesh body. I mean, this is like <laughs> this is where we're at. Yeah. And everyone is developing all these other things, which is great. And but then they have got to return home. That's so that's, that's, you know, that's what I've been doing. That's sort of, that's the more eloquent and, you know, metaphysical version of my, the yeah. point I was, I was pointing to is that something isn't working yeah. for me. God, that guy's got a great set of pecs. He's not having problems in yeah. his elbow. I'll bench like him. Wow. You know, right. I can't get this position in yoga. She's doing it. I'll do her kind of yoga. As opposed to, like you're saying, there's information in those deficits. There's information in those plateaus. Right. There's information in those injuries. The first mission right. is unwind them. You can't conquer a monster that you don't fully know. Taking the step right. back and, like you said, looking at the foundation of whatever that was before uh -huh. adding the the solution is not what people preach. They say, follow me. Look at, look at these biceps. Look at these peaks, kid. Do it this way. Right. I don't feel pain, so you won't right. feel pain. My favorite one is obviously um, the rituals I see people do around heavy lifting. Well, that guy doesn't have, you know, I'm talking like deadlifts and, and squats and these, and that guy doesn't have pain and he seems to do this. So I'll do what he does, which is like in the, in the early nineties, you had this whole phase. I'm, I'm, I just dated myself people. Yes. I'm that old where guys were putting five pound and 10 pound plates under their heels so they could elevate their heels because somebody did that and didn't have pain. And so now everyone's like squatting on their tiptoes for some bizarre reason for like six years, people were doing this. It was hilarious. But it was because right. monkey see, monkey do. It's logical, people. Yeah, can, Go ahead. Can I give you a little bit of uh, details to why they did that? 
Yes, give me that background. It does. I don't really see it done often anymore, but it was this. I mean, no, I still see doing it. Is that the people's hamstrings are so damn short, right? That you'd have to put like a high heel, meaning like a dumbbell under your heel for them to even feel them. (laughs) Ah, so it's actually. Oh, interesting. So you're saying people couldn't feel the muscle flexing so much from sitting too much, like what I was talking about at the top of the show. Right. That uh-huh. rather than address how to feel that hamstring contraction, right. people exactly. did this jerry-rig solution that, yes, it allowed them to feel the hamstring, but doesn't actually solve the original problem, the lack oh, of sensation. It, yeah, It keeps it from the short point. Oh, it, my gosh. It, it that's doesn't amazing. start from the origin point. And, and I, I, saw, I saw some of the – I think I might saw someone doing this today, too. I mean, it, it's pretty common. I mean, if you know that's what it's doing and you can feel your hamstrings and then you go back and take them out – Take then that out, might right. work out better, but then they're doing them to just. But they're not thinking about that. They're just doing it because, like you said, because someone else did it, and and yeah, it's it's a hodgepodge. I see that. Uh, that's what I'm saying. That monkey see, monkey do. I see people all the time who say, "I don't feel it when I do this," and rather than they, and what they do is they say, like any exercise, you could take any exercise you want. It could be like literally jumping jacks. It could be almost any exercise. They say, "When I do that, I don't feel quote unquote the muscles working." And rather than addressing the limitation of their feeling, which could lie in, you know, uh, how that muscle's trained, how short it is, like Scott was saying, how, you know, stuck it is, rather than address that, oh, I just won't do that exercise. I'll do this other thing or do it this way, some fancy thing. When you think about how many exercises and forms, quote unquote, good form, have been influenced with that kind of logic, suddenly you want to throw a, cast some doubt on, quote unquote, good form. It's really remarkable that you that you're you're saying that Scott because it's that whole thing of how it's often innocent. It's not done with this dubious trickery or like someone trying to shyster. It's just honestly someone trying to fix a problem using simple logic. And I think you know not to put too fine a point on it. I think that's the sort of the conclusion is that don't trust how you feel. Don't trust the fact that just cuz it feels good, it is good. Don't just trust that just cuz it feels better, it is better. That that feedback of like i feel it it's done or i don't feel it it's done is not always going to tell you what the source is and if you don't know what the source is how do you know what to train how do you know what to exercise right i i, I see people in training and it's not in training like it could be yoga practices spiritual life practices where they, they want to go so fast and they want to they want to they want to be first in this race but right. it's not a race to begin with and it's actually the, the more I slow it down and the more I'm with it, the more I'm going to get to wherever I'm going to need to go. And people don't understand that. They just want that result. Like, oh, I want the big bench press. I want to, to have this flexibility. I want to do this pose in yoga. But, like, what about the learning about the journey on the way? That's the reason why you're, that most people are there. It's just don't even know it. Um, and so it's just uh, – it's an interesting concept. I, I see I see it all the time. Like today's gym, people are lifting and they're wanting these big muscles and they're using so much willpower, but they're not feeling their bodies. They're throwing weights around. And I, I used to throw weights around too. So, I mean, I know what that's about. about. But, I mean, you got to change at some point. There's got to be a – but usually, usually the change happens whenever someone gets injured and it turns into this stupid, super, this stupid superstition thing, which then has them quit. Or has them be like not doing certain things. And they give you right. a stupid story. You always meet a bodybuilder at the gym or an old lifter be like, 
well, I can't squat anymore. My knees are bad. My back's bad, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like he hasn't assessed his tissue with anything. Right. Or his joints or his flexibility work. Instead, he's blamed the exercises he did instead of like what you said. Yeah, like let's get a feedback. This this, this cliche character at the gym or at the yoga studio, there's always the same type of person, you know? Um, And that's that's why I call like fitness purgatory. But anyways. (laughs) Those are my heroes. No, just kidding. That's I think that I think that's a pretty good point to put it. You know, but, but like, if you're listening, we'd love to hear if this is ever to you with your indirect source stories. If you had a plateau that you found out was something other than the place where you plateaued, like you couldn't get past a certain bench number, and then you figured, oh, is this thing not the not the bench press or an injury, and you kept on treating the injury and realizing it was somewhere else. If right. you have one of these stories or anecdotes, we'd love to hear you you your listeners we'd love to hear that's what this is about right it's a dialogue i hope i've been hogging it but hey it's a dialogue go to our facebook page with egg inside what are you gonna say scott i have one more thing yeah no please Uh, for any gym goer or uh yoga practicer or athlete or whatever the it's the very thing that you're most resistant to is what i figured out and you're and what you don't want to do at the gym is the thing you have to try um, oh. you know, if some people don't want to lift legs, so it's like, well, no wonder your shoulder hurts. Cause you have no hamstrings to, to hold your shoulder in a joint. So it's like, you gotta, it's gotta, well you gotta be with what you're resistant to, what you don't want to do. That's exactly, that's your body telling you. That's like, you gotta do it. As a person <laughs> far out. wiser than me has once said, where you resist <laughs> persist. That's great. Scott, that's exactly. a perfect ending point. Perfect. ending yeah, yeah. point. <laughs> and yeah, and please go to our Facebook page and tell us your stories of this, where you had points of resistance that you figured out. Oh, the problem is three points away. We'd love to hear from you guys. Scott, this is a great, con- I'm going to let's close the show. Let's do some uh, closing business and then we'll, we'll close the show. How does that sound? Sounds wonderful. That does it for this episode. Thanks for stepping inside the big inside. You can learn more about this show and other shows on the big and find out more about Scott and see pictures of his jacked form at AspireFlex.life. Also, guys, look, we love being told when our heads are up our asses. We love it. Or when we're our heads are in the clouds, when we're, you know, when you like what we're saying, please give us feedback. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever. We want to hear from you. Go to thebiginside.com. Uh, we're actually going to be starting a Facebook group as opposed to a page so that we want to hear your guys chatter on topics. Um, so join uh, join the discussion there on our Facebook page. You can always leave comments on our website as well for each episode, thebiginside.com. Let's do some sponsors. Let's see what's up. Oh, look, look who it is, folks. Same sponsor as always for this miniseries, SciSay Sports. S-A-I-S-E-I, SciSay Sports. It means rebirth. And uh, they're the makers of the new radically different, amazing pre-workout formula called Rekt, R-E-K-T. Rekt, because it's cool. When you have a K, it's cool. No, you know, it's actually really good stuff because what they do, speaking of looking at the source of a problem versus just addressing the direct superficial source, they looked at pre-workout formulas. They said, you know, three guys, lifters, bodybuilders, they wanted to do something right. So they realized one of the things that's missing is not the fancy concoctions, but the quality of the ingredients that you put in. That's what they changed. So you look at the label. It's all the stuff you'd expect if you're familiar with pre-workouts, but the sheer quality of this stuff is through the roof. So that's what makes it different. Forget what you know about other pre-workout formulas. Go to SciSaySports.com, S-E-I-S-E-I-Sports.com. Try Rekt. I've tried it. Phenomenal stuff. Saves you money with every scoop. Getting rave reviews. And it's just three local guys doing good. So kind of right up our alley. Another sponsor today is the Next Level Leadership Program. 
Based in Boston, Next Level has been a premier program for strength and bodybuilding athletes created by the Phys Academy, people who have a, stre- a real passion for strength, a real passion for bodybuilding aesthetics, guys who just, and women who just are really into it. Well, this program takes their talents, takes everything they learned, and creates real-world leadership. That means that not only, not only do they learn better ways to compete in their sports of choice, but they take those lessons to apply to business or relationships or whatever, to you know, social responsibility, social justice, you name it. That transformation is a missing education in, in the fitness world. The next level, they provide it. Go to thenextlevel.me, find out how you can join a team. Uh, and then lastly, our last sponsor, the Good old folks at Scorpio Creative. They're a small little branding and design firm. Hey, hey, listening right now, you want to be your own entrepreneur. You you want to be your own business owner, but you need marketing. Well, when you go to the big guys, they have big prices. And when you, you start, you know, I can't quite pay for that. Well, then you get less for your money. Try to do it yourself. Results become shoddy. It becomes overwhelming. Who do you turn to? Scorpio Creative. They work with small businesses, especially those in the fitness sector, but certainly all sectors. And they partner with you, helping you do your marketing and also providing top drawer design, branding, the works. ScorpioCreative.com. Get your small business up to speed with good marketing. The Big Inside, by the way, speaking of marketing, is independently funded. So we're going to rely on you, our listeners, primarily. You guys are our best sponsor. You keep us going. You're amazing. The fact that you can sit through my nasal voice for even five minutes is stunning to me. So I'd really like to get on my knee here, and Scott's on his knee. We're both on our knees, our good knees, and we're going to ask you to consider dropping a few bucks into our virtual bucket of love at our website, (laughs) TheBiggest.com, right? BigInside.com, TheBigInside, include the the, the TheBigInside.com. You can leave us some cash, like support us, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, I don't care. Help us stay on the air. You guys keep us up as running. It's your generosity. You're part of the show. And, hey, look, pay enough. We'll put you right on the show. I'm not kidding. Not only am I going to announce you, you could literally buy your way onto this show. Hey, we're we're like Han Solo. We're like freelance guys. And in fact, if you want to hump our leg completely, why not become a sponsor of the Big Inside? Info is on our website. Your company, your endeavor, whatever can sponsor us. We will chat you up like crazy. We love your stuff. That uh, that does it for our sponsor, Scott. It was a pleasure. This was really good. Thanks so much for bringing your yang energy. Thanks, Christian. Thanks for having me. No, that was it. Was a good conversation. I appreciate all the input. And, uh, yeah, today's show was uh, produced by the Physiculture Collaborative, whose physiques are so underanalyzed that other people feel their pain. See what I did there? That's your workout for your ears this week. I'm Christian Mady, a.k.a. XN, for The Big Inside, reminding you that no matter what you do on the outside, what makes it big is what's found on the inside. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>